to just choose one is impossible. <laughs> that is impossible. The one that I know mm-hmm. each Christian should read is... Welcome to the Uncut Podcast. I'm Pastor Luke. I'm Pastor Cameron. And this is the Uncut Podcast, where we have uncut, honest conversations about faith, life, and ministry. Um, today, we're sitting down on a cold, snowy December afternoon, and we've decided that we were going to talk about um, what's one book, Cameron, that every believer should read. or Bible. most not other than the Bible, Cameron. Okay. <laughs> other than the Bible. Other than the Bible. What is one book that every believer or most believers should pick up and read? Uh, okay. So I really think there's two. Oh. Maybe even three. <laughs> I'm over here trying to narrow it down to one, and here you are just going to be like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, because, like, you know, if you were to say, name one book in, like, name one book in these three genres of book that Christians should read, other than, yeah. I don't know, but to just choose one <laughs> is impossible. <laughs> that is impossible. Um, Because we love books. We do. We do. Um, Okay. So I do kind of have – well, there's two – there's one that I know for sure, and then there's two by the same author that I'm kind of like, choose one of these and read them. They're both – they're different, but they're they're both like super good. So the one that I – the one that I know Mm – each Christian should read is Cost of Discipleship by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Mm-hmm. Did I steal yours? No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No, no, you're close, but no. Uh, yeah, Cost of Discipleship <clears throat> by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Bonhoeffer, um, spelled B O N H O E F F E R. Now you're just showing off because you can spell his name. Well, no. <laughs> like, I want you to be able to go and Google it and find it. Um, and. I did a, um, when I was doing one of my master's, uh, it might th- not the divinity, but uh, master's of arts in theology, theological studies, we did a one whole year was on the period of theological reflection called the contemporary period, which is around that like 20th, mid 20th century, early 20th century period. So like Pannenberg and Moltmann and Bonhoeffer and all of those guys, and we were each assigned a theologian mm-hmm. that we needed to study their primary works, and uh, and then choose one main of one main primary work, and then respond to it um, critically. Um, and so I spent a whole semester with the. I had to study Bonhoeffer for mm-hmm. an entire semester. So, and I'm not just choosing that book because I like studied it i i think that that book would probably be on many people's must read list yeah but anyway bonhoeffer was a german who was a seminarian and pastor during world war 2 
mm-hmm. in between World War One and World War Two, yep. uh, especially in uh, the rise of Hitler. Mm-hmm. And um, Bonhoeffer was a a functional pacifist, meaning he was he was not against he was not in favor of the war, not in favor of any war. Yeah. Um, and um, however, saw the saw Hitler's leadership and what the Nazi regime was doing as a primary danger to the like, both the justice of God and the holiness mm-hmm. of God and whatever. And so he essentially said, you know, the uh, whatever evil may exist in the act of war is less uh, or whatever evil may exist in the act of war um, is not as great of an evil as not acting mm-hmm. to eliminate Hitler. Right. So he was a part of then a plot to assassinate Hitler, mm-hmm. a plot that was unsuccessful yep. and that ultimately got him, got Bonhoeffer killed. Yes. Um, but in the midst of all of that, as a very young theologian, mm-hmm. he was very prolific in writing, um, and the cost of discipleship was probably one of his more famous, is probably his most famous work. That and Life Together. And Life Together, yeah, which is about community. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if I had to recommend one book that any Christian would read, Outside of the Bible, it would be cause of discipleship, which helps us to focus. Um, it doesn't really help us to focus. It's just a kind of a corrective to the more contemporary understanding of Christianity as being the key to all of your joy and happiness mm-hmm. in life. Cause of discipleship helps us to remember that uh, a relationship with Jesus or following Jesus is also, is you know, following a road to our own crucifixion, our own death, Mm -hmm. ultimately our own resurrection, but uh, our own death as well. So, um, but it is a, it's a, it, it communicates a radical call, a radical call of following Jesus. So Mm -hmm. that would be my, that would be my first must read. Yeah. Bonhoeffer's a, Bonhoeffer's a dude. He is a dude. And in fact, if you want to not just read, what he wrote, but read about him. Mm-hmm. Um, Eric Metaxas, yeah. M-E-T-A-X-A-S, um, who is a Christian biographer, uh, wrote a biography of Bonhoeffer that's probably the best out there. Mm-hmm. It's fantastic. Yeah. It's easy to read. It's pretty thick. It's a very thick book. But it's easy to read. I think it's titled Prophet, Priest, and Martyr or something like that is mm-hmm. the subtitle to it. But it's so good. Yeah. And you'd really, 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 really like that if you haven't read a biography on yeah. Bonhoeffer and but was, want to. He was quite the cause like he not only did he ultimately end up being, you know, uh, at least involved in uh, the planning of an assassination attempt against Hitler, but leading up to that he was part of the like the church that was resisting government control by the Nazis yes. and um, and all of that. So, it was, mm. you know, there was a, yeah, a big long story. I even remember reading 
in a short biographical um, statement or like summary of that, like him contemplating, like people giving him an out and saying, "Stay here in these state in the United States. Yeah, uh, don't go back because people people were watching what was happening in Germany and yeah. were like, things are not going well. We think we're moving to- towards a war." And he was like, "No, I'm I'm going to go back mm-hmm. because of that." Yep. So yeah. So excellent. Yeah. Excellent book. What do you like? Why do you think, like, um, why do you think that book is so pertinent? Because it is a message that's not popular in the church. Mm -hmm. It's just not. We, we, we go to church to, you know, like feel better about ourselves. You know, we feel we go to church to have like a, to be lifted up in spirit. You know, to have a joyful countenance, to be recharged, however you want to, mm-hmm. however you want to talk about it. But the scriptures that speak about like the cost of the personal cost, yeah. the familial cost, the societal cost uh, to following Jesus, to being a disciple of Jesus, is not something that often gets talked about, or at least doesn't get talked about um, a whole lot. Yeah, and but it is firmly rooted in the you know the the life of the cross mm-hmm. the life of discipleship i mean you look at like every single one of the disciples every single prominent figure that followed jesus closely that was his like that was a disciple um you know they didn't ride off into the sunset of the roman empire um <laughs> yeah, you know they... victorious because of their relationship with jesus christ they were killed for it right but most of them were killed in a spirit of joy, mm-hmm. um, and uh, Paul, Paul himself, Paul included, Peter, you know, John. They were all, they were all killed, um, executed in some way, shape, or form. Because, Rather violently, often. Yeah, violently because mm-hmm. of their insistence on the resurrection of Jesus Christ and as Him as Lord. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know that is not a popular message and we're far away from mm-hmm. we're, we're far away from as a people understanding uh, or at least i should say in the united states and in generally in the western world we are way 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 far away from understanding um the practice that, that the practice of our faith could require our requires people's lives yeah sometimes mm-hmm. you know it's it's more of like a it's more of like a, a fake scenario that we tell youth group kids. If people came into this church right now, held a gun to your head, and said, "You have to renounce the Bible," would you do it or not? Like, yeah. of course, I think of course they all say, "Oh no, I would no, I would not do it." Right? Yeah. Because it's such a fanciful scenario that no one actually takes it seriously. Yeah. Yeah, unless did you see that clip? I think it's from uh there's a podcast out there that I see the reels all the time. What is it? Youth Ministry Stories or something like that. I've seen them, yeah. And they have that story about like somebody was in a youth group and fake gunman type of thing. Fake gunman kidnapped. The parents were in on it and approved it. And it was all like the youth leaders and stuff. <laughs> and, like scared scared these kids to death and probably caused lots of trauma. Yeah. Those kids are all deconstructing today. (laughs) Yeah. Um, 
Don't do that. Uh, don't <coughs> don't fake a, sta- a fake hostage situation in order to give your kids a taste of yeah, uh, yeah, suffering for the gospel. Don't but do that. Correct. That would not be a good, not good mm-hmm. youth ministry strategy. Um, yeah. So, do you want to talk about the other two books that you were thinking, or do you want? No, let's go with you. Go with me. Like, let's see. See if I name one of those see if other you two name books. One of them. Yep. Oh man, I keep going back and forth. Um but I'll kind of go with I'll go with like a, maybe a safe answer mm-hmm. because it's a little bit it's it's broad, it's a classic, it's like proven the test of time and I yeah. say like mere Christianity uh-huh. by C.S. Lewis. <laughs> it was one of mine. It, yeah. it was it's one of my other yeah. ones. I have uh, one of Lewis's books is is on my man. Yeah, that's one of these two, so I'll, I can talk about that one next. Yep. So. Yeah, Mere Christianity um, by C.S. Lewis. Like mm-hmm. Lewis is probably one of the authors that I've I haven't read all of his stuff by any means, but out of all the authors I've read, I've read close. I've read more of his stuff than I've read any other author. So, mm-hmm. I you know, um, and there's a lot to like dive into it, but like Mere Christianity is. I think it's fairly approachable. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, I mean, it's older, so like some of the language might be a little bit of a, a challenge to kind of, um, you know, tackle if you're not used to reading uh, literature that's not recently written with a with our vocabulary. But, um, you know, it was originally, I think, several. It was a radio program that he put on through the BBC. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a series of lectures that he did that way. And then he uh, took those BBC lectures and wrote them out, edited them, and turned them into the book, Mere Christianity. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was written with this very broad intention to kind of speak to a large, wide audience um, and make an argumentation for Christianity's reasonableness, how it um, addresses some of the secular um, like proclivities of like society, mm-hmm. like um, talks about like the moral law and covers a whole bunch of things. And it's mm-hmm. um, it's really good to read in sequence, but it's also not quite so such a complicated book that you couldn't open up a chapter and just start in a chapter mm-hmm. and still get some pretty significant uh, things out of it. So it's, you know, just one of the biggest authors, thinkers, writers, and apologists in recent Christian history, uh, relatively. Um, and I think it's worth it's mm-hmm. worth reading at some point if you mm-hmm. can. Mm-hmm. Um, there's even, if you're like, really intimidated by like picking up a book you could go online and there is this um youtube account called c.s lewis doodles Mm. um and he has some uh some portions of mere christianity and he has these uh drawn hand-drawn like animations that go along with the book they're really fun to watch bible project by c.s lewis yeah (laughs) something like that Uh you know but c.s lewis doodles you can check them out um and you'll get a taste or a flavor for what some of the content of that book is that way if you're you know a little hesitant to dive into a into a book right away but did any of your college professors use mere christianity as a text no 
I read it in high school. Yeah. I, I, I got to go to a Christian school, um, and I think that was the first time I was exposed to it was in high school. Yeah. we. I think, I'm thinking back, I think in undergrad, I took a, like a intro to Christianity class, and I think it was one of the supplemental texts yeah. or something like that that we no, could I, read. There was a there was a class I could have taken a literature class that was only the literature of C.S. Lewis, mm-hmm. um, but I had a pretty heavy semester load that year, and I decided not to because they were going to read every major fiction and nonfiction book that he wrote a lot. in a semester, and I was like, I can't keep up with that, so I had yeah. to I had to miss that class because I just I was taking too many other classes that required. Yeah too much i was like i cannot be able to do that I, I have read or i i did read a lot of his stuff in college because i was a dual um religion and philosophy major and so a lot of our a lot of his stuff crossed both of those mm-hmm. spectrums like philosophy of religion and stuff like that so we read the, i know for sure i read the problem of pain mm-hmm. read miracles uh wrote a whole paper on miracles if you remember that uh, the Great Divorce. Mm-hmm. Uh, read that in that same class. Um, of course, mere Christianity was a primary text in a lot of classes. So, but yeah, uh, classic. I think it's going to be on the short list for most people. Should yep. be on the short list for most people. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say the other one that I was thinking of was another Lewis book. Yeah, but I wasn't. It's not. I think it's equally as popular, but it's not kind of it's not really in the same genre. Okay, is um, screw tape letters? Yeah, I really think that it is a extraordinarily ap- applicable, appropriate, insightful book mm-hmm. for most Christians to read. It is, and I think Lewis would say this. It does take some liberties. It takes quite a few liberties, yeah. obviously, with faith and spirituality or yeah. Christian thought. Screw tape letters, a great divorce that you mentioned yeah. also, he would say, you know, both are theological or, or like they're allegories. They're allegories. Yeah. They're not even like, you know, they're not even in the same category as like, you know, most people know. Definitely know C.S. Lewis for Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe, the Chronicles of Narnia series, which is fiction with allegorical imagery. But Screwtape Letters and Great Divorce in particular are both more explicit in their allegory, but he's a little bit more liberal with some... He's not interested in representing true Christian like theology in its exactness necessarily, but showing spiritual principles. Yeah. So, but what is screw tape letters for those who've never like had any exposure to them? Like what is the book? So the main, the main idea of the book is the screw screw tape is a demon Mm -hmm. and he's writing letters to another demon, Wormwood. Yes. Right. And it's like a, it's like a, basically what you have is you have the letters going back and forth about the mentor demon um, teaching the mentee mm-hmm. how to essentially like break down a child of God mm-hmm. um, and 
kind of like the cunning and craftiness of what must be done and how to use culture and how to use their own appetites, physical and emotional, mental appetites. Uh, and essentially, it's just like this way of seeing the, of describing the cunningness mm-hmm. of the enemy to destroy uh, the children of God. Yeah. Um, it's not scary. No. I, I would, it's not scary. It even makes it, I think, somewhat humorous yes. at times. Like, it's not like, it's kind of weird to feel like you're reading, because it, it somewhat disarms it a little bit by thinking that you're reading essentially like these, um, like office memos that are being passed back yeah. and forth between yep. two demons is what the tone of it sounds like. Uh-huh. And so it sounds kind of goofy at times. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, but I think it it does. I haven't read it in quite a few years. I looked for my copy, still looking for my copy. If you have my paper copy of the Screw Tape Letters, please bring it back to me. <laughs> um, Belongs I'm to a, the Library of Cameron Library. Yeah, I'm about to buy it again. I'm about to buy it as a digital um, so that I can read it again. But it's been a while since I've read it, but I want to right now. And, um, and uh, yeah, just. I have always felt like it's a really interesting take on mm-hmm. and really interesting way to um, process through what happens or what may be happening in a person's life, um, you know, behind the spiritual veil that we don't yeah. really see with our our human eyes, but that, uh, you know, that the scripture says is there and active and working. Um spiritual realm that is mm-hmm. and so it was it's all it always has kind of like been i always come away from books like that the screw tape letters and i don't know if you've ever this is probably there this is a little bit less of a classic but uh, have you ever read any of the uh uh this present darkness book these present this present darkness by frank peretti yes piercing the darkness this present darkness yeah i read those i read some of those i think when i was in high school at some point yeah or yeah they're those are completely fiction but you know um they are all about like depicting the spiritual battle that we don't see mm-hmm. and i always walk i will always walk away from reading those books with a um uh, increased perception or an increased perception of the spiritual world around me, but also like a greater passion Mm -hmm. to pray. Yeah. Like, Oh, I, I need, I need to be praying more. Mm -hmm. I need to be praying more that spiritual strongholds would be torn down that, uh, that I would have eyes to see, the things that are going on around me spiritually, not just what, not just what appears on the surface of people's lives, but like what is actually happening Mm -hmm. in the spiritual realm around them so that I can pray into that. And then I can pastor towards that, not just Mm -hmm. pastor towards what we see. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, my two books then would be screw tape letters by CS Lewis and the cost of discipleship by Dietrich Bonhoeffer add your book mere christianity by lewis i think you got a pretty solid top three yeah very much i don't know what else let's say okay let's do, do you have any like things that would be honorable mention yeah um i think another lewis book that deserves honorable mention is uh till we have faces 
um, which is much more of a, a fiction book, um, but with some really poignant themes that I find a lot of people end up uh, resonating with. Mm-hmm. So it's a retelling of a, um, I believe, a Greek myth. So he takes a Greek myth and then he kind of changes it a little bit um, to, in order to kind of demonstrate um, what false love and true love looks like. So the whole book, it's a really good book. It's a book where if you follow along with the main character, you get to see a fantastic perspective shift, which at the end you're just like, whoa. You see, when you get to the last like three, four chapters of the book, there's a perspective shift that happens and you suddenly reinterpret or re-understand the whole book uh, differently. Um, makes it worth rereading. Um, but the the main idea of that book is that it depicts both healthy love and unhealthy love and how we sometimes um, fall into this trap of believing that like love of our friends, love of our neighbors, love of our um, closest and dearest ones or uh, significant others has to look a certain way and we think it's love, but it's, it's not. Because people have done some pretty awful and controlling or manip- manipulative things in the name of love. But ultimately, love is freeing, it's giving, mm-hmm. it's not controlling or demanding, right? And you can yeah. quote that whole yeah. passage, Corinthians. So, um, so it's, a really, it's a really good book. Um, but it's much more allegorical, a little bit more, like you're going to have to wrestle with the text a little bit more. Lewis doesn't necessarily lay out exactly what he's intending you to learn from the book. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of Lewis's books, some of his, a lot of his fiction books can tend to pair with his nonfiction writings. So uh, Till We Have Faces pairs with uh, The Four Loves mm. book that he wrote where he talks about his different his his philosophical categories for the different types of loves in relationships we have. So, yeah. okay, how about this? How about name a book written in the last thirty years? Okay, yeah. Okay, so name name a book written in the last thirty years that you would recommend because these these are all books from yeah these are like a hundred years, years ago hundred years ago yeah almost if not yeah already so um. I can think of two. Okay. I can think of uh, Life of the Beloved by Henry Nouwen mm-hmm. or um, Emotionally Healthy Discipleship by Peter Scazzaro. Yeah. I would say that would that would be – I've not read that Nouwen book, but no. Scazzaro's book I think would be a good one. I was going to say – I actually had two Nouwen books on my list too. <laughs> Would be either um, the wounded healer, uh huh, by Nowen, or uh, in Jesus' name. I'm not familiar with that. By one Henry Nowen, mm-hmm. um, and that's those are two really good ones. Um, I would also say the Jesus I Never Knew mm. by Philip Yancey. Mind-bendingly awesome book. Really, I've never read that one. Oh my gosh. So good. That was the first book I ever was made to read in college. Mm-hmm. My first my first class of my freshman year, 
of college, like first college class ever. I walk into a class. Um, the, it was class was Jesus of Nazareth, and I had no idea. I had no idea what uh, a academic study of Jesus of Nazareth was going to look like. I thought it was going to be all about like. I, I didn't know. I, I, I no yeah. concept of the historical Jesus, no concept mm-hmm. of literary criticism or historical criticism or anything like that. So, but anyway, um, thankfully, my professor was was and is a believer and pastor, but also you know PhD in New Testament studies. So she had us read um, as the first book, "The Jesus I Never Knew" by Philip Yancey, which mm-hmm. is more of a more of a reflection. Not it's not necessarily an academic work, uh, but a reflection, um, and it's really really good. I would also maybe add some of Peterson's works, some of oh, Eugene yeah. Peterson's books. Which ones though? Um, if you're in ministry, I would I would read his memoir, The Pastor. Mm-hmm. It's an excellent book. Um, the contemplative pastor has always sat pretty high on my list of books for pastors to read. Yep, five smooth stones for pastoral uh, mm-hmm. work mm-hmm. by Peterson is really good. Yeah, um, I would say uh, a long obedience in the same direction mm-hmm. by Peterson, very good one as well. Um, but I would read his. I would read his. If you haven't read his memoir called "The Pastor," I would read mm-hmm. that. Yeah, because it helps to bring a lot of clarity to who Peterson was and why he did write a lot of the things that he wrote. If you don't know who Eugene Peterson is, but you've ever read the Message version of the Bible, mm-hmm. Peterson is the one who wrote that. Yep. Uh, wrote the message. What he's most known for. Most, yeah. Probably. That, and then secondarily, probably his long obedience in the same direction. Yeah, and he catches a lot of grief. Well, I guess it depends on the it depends on the environment that you're in. But he yeah, can often catch a lot of grief for writing the message. Oh, it's a watered down version. Oh, like you know, but it's actually a translation. It's very and and here's the thing too is Peterson has dual PhDs in Semitic language. Mm-hmm. Something that I didn't know until I read his memoir, that he's uh, he's a, a very well respected, very well read, dual PhD in Semitic language, which mm-hmm. both Aramaic and Greek are Semitic languages, mm-hmm. so is Hebrew, uh, and so it would it would like it's not like he's just some dude, yeah, who's rephrasing the English translation. He actually phrase he actually yes. translated from the original, yes. Using his yes, expertise. Use, yeah. So there, there are many more Bible tran- translations out there that are actually just some dude rephrasing English translations into modern or yeah. doing... There, there, there are significantly more translations I would have more problems with. Than the message. Than the message. Yep. Again, you know, it's not the translation philosophy that I think is useful for everything like yeah but it's a good translation like yeah yeah read it yep um yeah that's a whole little bunny trail but yeah peterson's a great guy to read particularly if you're interested in pastoral ministry yeah um yep or just ministry in general 
Yeah. It's a really good voice to hear. Right. What a what what about why so many now in books between the two of us? Uh that's a good question. I don't know. I think what I respect about Nowen is his I think I respect like the philosophy of ministry that he employed, which was like a self-emptying. Mm-hmm. I mean like Peterson Nowen we mentioned Peter Scazzaro. All three of those are like contemplative in a modern sense. Yep. Um, yeah. They're about as monastic as you can get. Yeah. yeah. Yep. In a modern setting, kind of. Mm-hmm. So. Which is interesting because I'm not really a contemplative person. Yeah. But I appreciate. I appreciate. Um, both Peterson and Nowen for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think they. And when we were saying contemplative, I don't know. Contemplative's like a really big word that we. I, I won't dare and try and um, define exactly, but it's it's this more. Uh, I guess like contemplative is more of. Wait, I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna mess it up because I always mess it up. Um, was it Mary that sat at Jesus' feet and Martha was running around? Yes. So, um, contemplative spirituality would be Mary sitting sitting and being with Jesus. Yep. Uh, Martha spirituality, which is, I think, more prevalent in evangelical and modern Protestant denominations, is a doing things for Christ. Yeah. Um, and so the only way that I can keep those two straight is from the book title. You know, you ever come across that book before? Mm-mm. Having a merry heart in a Martha world. Oh, yeah. Now that, now that I will use that as, yeah, as, my, so that, as my as I can. That's keep the only the way that I can keep those to the who said it. Martha feet, world. So. Yeah, yeah. But we live in a in a world where we're defined by what we do, how well we do it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we we are doing things with. Christ or doing things for Christ, which are not in themselves necessarily awful, um, but when, when that's the only way in which we know Jesus, and we never know Jesus by simply being with him, mm-hmm. um, we begin to run into some unhealthy tendencies. And so I think all those authors um, kind of push us into a more merry way of being, yeah. a being rather than a doing. Yeah. So Right. And if you want an even more modern take on that, you can read some of John Mark Comer's books. Yeah. The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry mm-hmm. is probably his most famous. Yeah. It's very good mm-hmm. towards that lifestyle as well. So, well, if you guys out there listening or watching or whatever, if you have a book that one, you think we should read. Yeah. Two, you think it should be a book that's included on the list of books other than the Bible that all Christians should read. Mm-hmm. Drop it in the comments and let us know. And yeah. we, uh, maybe we will pick it up and read it and respond to it. Or maybe we've already read it. Or maybe we've already read it. Um, 
And uh, but anyway, we appreciate you listening today. Mm-hmm. This uh, hopefully well, well, looks like a little bit of a shorter episode for you today. Um, any questions? Feel free to drop them in the uh, comment thread, or you can always text them to us at seven one six two zero one zero five zero seven, and we'll do our best to answer any questions on our next mailbag episode. Yeah, have a good one. See ya.